Uh, this was one of my favorite episodes I've done. Lindsay's very vulnerable, open about her um, addiction, recovery, and what her life is like now that she's given up alcohol and other substances, other drugs. But I uh, really appreciate her coming on. If anybody knows anybody with a similar story or something that's just super helpful and inspiring, like I was inspired by this episode, and hopefully you guys are too, um, if it if you like it and you think it'd be helpful for anybody else, please share it. Um, and then Spotify should have a video version. I'll have two posts because one will be the audio and then one will be the video. And I'm not sure how to... I just got this video thing going, so it's kind of confusing. So I'm just going to do two for now. So enjoy. Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona podcast. Brought to you by Tyler Griffith. Oh, yeah. So, this is my friend, Lindsey Brady. You still go by Lindsey Brady, right? You haven't changed your name at all? Never changed it when I was married either. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, so we met, we know each other from high school, Niwot High School. Niwot High School. I'm thinking back to like, man, 97, 98, 99, 2000. Do you believe that? No. The 90s, like. Talking about the 90s, it's so weird. My kids talk about the 90s and they were like, do you remember, like, do you remember, like, were you you around in those, like, (laughs) 1900s, like, in those 90s? And I'm like, kid, that was my heyday. I don't even know what happened in the 90s. (laughs) The 90s, I always talk about how the night, like, the 90s was the best because social media came after us so we didn't have that in high school like yeah. I didn't have a, did you have a cell phone or anything in high school I sure did I had a pager and then my junior year I got a cell phone I you paid were, for it though <laughs> but you were like one because I remember I had Mike Brenholt remember him vaguely yeah so he he was like my friend with the cell phone but the rest yeah. of us no cell phones no pagers no nothing oh, and it was yeah. you could just disappear off the face of the earth your parents didn't know where you were at. Nobody worried about you. It was so weird, right? I mean, that was definitely a different time. I I had a pager, I think, my sophomore year of high school. And my mom at first was like, what the heck do you need a pager for? Like, what are you a drug dealer? Like, are you like, what are you doing with a page? Like, are you so important like, that you need a pager? This is, this is just a mom, status symbol. You don't even know. I have to have it clipped on the outside of my jeans. And I need, or in my pocket, and I need people to know that I potentially could be important. But if they need to get in touch with me, hit me up on my pager. Oh, here's a question for you. How many pages would you get every day? Like God, maybe one. And it was usually my mom, like, get (laughs) home. It was you. You would get home and call yourself from your rotary phone just to, like, feel important. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Call my mom actually from a payphone. Hey, can you send me a page real quick? I'm with this group of people and I just need them to <laughs> you turn the buzz like all the way up. Like, as loud as it goes. <laughs> oh, hold on. I <laughs> right. That's funny. I know. Yeah. I mean, so, I, we had the best of it though, because we were a product of the analog world. And then we remember very distinctly the transition to where we became this digitally connected community so like we kind of are like the best of both right so our childhood was very analog I didn't sit in front of a tv or a screen and I had very much like a go play hide and seek with the neighbors and come home for dinner and go yeah just get out of the house and I was fine with that I, I mean even as a parent today I get nervous even like saying like, go play in the front yard or, you know, go, know. go down the, I'm like, no, don't go too far. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you almost wonder if like that, the same stuff probably was happening back when we were kids, but now it's just like with social media and so much media and things are like, so in our face, everything just feels like scarier. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, I don't think that there's a higher rate of crime. I think it's just reported out. like uh, on a larger scale and we hear about more of like the little 
like the little things and and the big things of course yeah, but exactly. like we have 24 hour news feeds now we have like I mean I wake up in the morning and my phone is full of notifications of news update and you know Facebook sends me news updates now yeah. and you know it's just in your face you have to be really like mindful of like how much do you let that in I know yeah because it creates because you can tell like I can tell for myself when you're trying to grow like a social media presence like if yeah. I'm on there a lot I just can tell like I start to feel agitated it just starts to, like, I just don't like it and you need to get out and get fresh air and you yeah. need yeah you know that's kind of how I feel about not kind of like I love being outside. I love being in nature. I love hiking. You know, um, I got really into photography and I'm sure we'll talk about that as we get more into the podcast. But for me, like Rocky Mountain National Park now has cell phone service. And I can't even tell. No, I can't even tell you how upset I was. (laughs) Just put it on airplane. I'm all thought that, you know, that's a smart, I'm going to do that next time. But I used to be able to go up there and I would know like, I've got a solid three hours and I won't hear my phone go off. I was hiking up to Long's Peak and I made uh-huh. it to the keyhole and I got a cell phone notification. I got a text You're notification. Like, no. I was like, no, no. The worst. I did that one time. <laughs> I went backpacking like up in the Rockies and I just went by myself, which is probably not a good idea. Like nobody knew where I was, just me. And I got to like where I was going to camp. It was yeah. just the coolest view. Like I could see like the mountains and like I set up a hammock between these trees and I sit down in the hammock and my phone's like, bing, 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 bing. And I was like, I'm out of here. So I had to pack up my whole campsite and find a spot where I didn't have cell service because I could turn it off. But you ever seen the, you ever see the show Yellowstone? Yes. How he does that are with we, his campsite? Talk- yes. <laughs> It moves the whole campsite to get away from cell service. To just go to the one spot without it. Yeah, yeah. that's a great show. Yeah, it's like my um, favorite show. I did you watch the last episode? Is it eight? Are you watching that 18, 13, 18 19 or whatever it's called with Tim McGraw? Oh, eighteen thirteen with yeah. Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Um, I think it's the prequel to. Yeah. Yeah, I just I've watched one episode of that. I just finished um, season four of Yellowstone last night. See, I haven't I haven't started that one yet. I usually wait till the is the whole season out. The whole season's out oh, there. Okay, I'll have to start that one. Go get it. You know, yeah, yeah. Like I torture myself where I'm like week after week. Like, oh my yeah. god, I gotta wait another week before. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I'll yeah. watch that. So definitely. But um, no, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say I was lucky enough to find Game of Thrones when it was already into the fifth season. So like I had five seasons to binge. And then I did the like, you know, <laughs> episode after episode, season after season, waiting game. I started that one like before the la- the very last season. So I had to wait for the last season. Oh. I watched the whole thing and then it was like a year before the last season like came it- out. So I then like I we got had to, to wait two years for that one. Well, so I think, cause I waited to watch those until it was like a year before. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I had to wait like a year. So I didn't have any idea what was going on when it finally started, but yeah, that's the worst yeah. when you got to wait episode to episode week after week after week. But, uh, remember but, commercials? Oh, I don't remember commercials. We used to do commercials. I remember that was like yeah. bathroom time, get popcorn, get snacks. It, yeah. Make your phone call real quick. Call your friend. Yeah, I'm watching it too. Okay. I'll call you. Yeah, right. So weird. It's so weird. But yeah. Well, so I brought you on specifically. Well, so we know each other from high school, but yeah, I've seen your stuff, and it seems like you're making a pretty good name for yourself. Like just being helpful, like helping people out. I know you. Yeah. Can you just talk, like, talk me through just like your story? So basically, like, I wanted to talk to you about like alcohol, obviously um oh alcohol alcohol it's like my least favorite Subtle thing foe. every creative it's the worst but I um yeah my story is an open book and um when I got sober and made a commitment to living a life um free of alcohol and drugs what I realized was in order for me and this is for me only you know that I'm not saying this is how it has to be for everyone else for me I had to be very public and open about the fact that I was now a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. For a long time, 
you know, I had, you know, been in and out of treatment, been out of, in and out of AA, and I kept it very quiet. Like I did not like a lot of people to know that I struggled with alcohol yeah. and the drugs came later on, but I, I struggled with alcohol because I always knew in the back of my mind, like this was not a permanent like solution for me. I know there'll be a day when I go out and drink and I can't have a bunch of people out there thinking yeah. and knowing that, you know, like I have, you know, had problems with alcohol. So I kept it very hush hush. Um, yeah. Didn't like people talking about it. <clears throat> so when I made the commitment for myself on August 30th of 2017, that I was ready to get sober and stay sober. And I was willing to do whatever it was going to take to be able to live a life in recovery. I also knew that I had to be an open book about the truth of yeah. my addiction because there was no going back for me. If I was ever going to go back, I know for certain I would not have another recovery in me and I would likely end up six feet in the ground. So those are it's the weird. two truths I live with. It's weird too. Like when you hold yourself accountable on a level like you did, how much, like it really truly does hold you accountable. That's kind of like the same. Mine wasn't like alcohol addiction and stuff, but like I kind of started this podcast coronavirus started I was going through a lot like a lot was happening in my life and like mm -hmm. I just felt like I had like I had so much anxiety and I had so much like it almost felt like depression and like I almost started the podcast to just document like let's see if I can mm -hmm. get out of this by doing like these steps and just hold yourself accountable because if you don't hold yourself accountable like you're just going to fall into the same patterns you know what I mean yeah yep, yeah absolutely so it sounds like, you know, there's two kind of groups of people I think of when um, we hear like, you know, people that are sober and then there's like people that are in recovery. I think there's a huge movement and maybe you kind of fall into this camp, Tyler, of um, I'm not necessarily an alcoholic or an addict, but I recognize that alcohol does not serve um, a purpose in my life. There's really no value that it adds to like the type of lifestyle I want to be you know, living, it doesn't add value to my family life. So like, why am I, you know, why am I, why is society saying, yep. you know, like, Hey, you're stressed out, have a I drink. Know. Oh my yeah. God, something good happened. Go, go intoxicate oh. your body with this like highly carcinogenic, like, you know, liquid that if you looked at what it did to your brain chemistry over a period oh of time, gosh. like, you know, it's so, so bad. It's so bad. But that's the thing, like, we don't, you're not educated, like, you're not educated, you go, you go to high school, they don't teach you, there's like not classes about alcohol, and until you become, like, I didn't really learn that much about alcohol until I got a DUI, like, I got a DUI, and then I go through the classes, and they're like, yeah, this is how it's affecting your brain, this is this, this is this, and I was like, that is insane, I never learned this. I know, I know. I'm thinking back to maybe in elementary school when I don't, and I don't even know if this is still around anymore. Yeah. Dare. Yeah. I remember there drug abuse, resistance education. Yeah. And it was really only focused though on like schedule one substances, yep. like narcotics and like the hardcore stuff, exactly. you know? And so like, in my mind, I re I even remember like sitting in that was dare, it, like Officer those dare, Bobby? something like that. And I just was like, <laughs> I'm going to wind up one of these stories this guy's telling about. Oh, I just no. know it. I knew it. I knew it in the core of me. Like as a kid, I was like, that's so sad. I'm going to wind up one of these people. <laughs> the, I, honestly, though, like they didn't talk about alcohol. They really, I don't think they did. They talk about alcohol ever. It was yeah. only the hardcore drugs. And to your point, I also got a DUI and I got mine in college. Okay. I also got a couple of minors in possession, you know, like if we're being a hundred percent honest. So I, I really wanted to ask you though, cause yeah. So, cause I want like, I kind of want to grow my audience to have like younger listeners, like almost like high school students, college students. So like, I'm where I'm kind of curious, like, where did you start and when did you realize like, Oh wow, this has kind of gotten like out of control. Oh my God. I had my first alcoholic drink when I was 15 and I had just moved to Niwot and had started at Niwot High. Yeah. And I was from a small town on the Western slope of Colorado and had been uprooted out of the only home and community and friend circle that I had ever known. And 
I found um, a group of friends and they invited me to a house party and I took that first sip of alcohol oh, and it was like immediately was. no you loved me, it. I was like this is the solution uh, this is the answer to all my problems because you know what it did and what I what I talk about now is you know yes I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict but really what I am addicted to is escapism and more yeah. So what alcohol provided me with in that first time drinking was an escape from the fear of not knowing anyone, not being accepted by people, um, the fear of, you know, am I, am I going to fit in, um, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden I had this little liquid courage coursing through my veins and I, I became social and I just stopped caring. Oh my God, the world is fun. And so because for I, me, I remember you was pretty outgoing. I mean. I mean, probably as I like, you know, got more comfortable at NIWA and I started making, you know, more friends and kind yeah. of going out and, you know, I started to open up more, but I have to tell you, like deep inside, there was always this like scared little girl that was like, I wonder if these people are going to reject me or like, cause I'm, I'm kind of the outsider. Everyone's been here and been together for so long. And here I am like new and I'm just trying to fit in and, um, you know, well, I, I'll tell, I'll tell you something like so even from like my perspective because I was there I grew up with everybody but like this is it like alcohol for me it was the it was the same feeling it was like because I felt like very I don't know ner like nervous and it just like it relaxed you and it made you be somebody that it was almost like your superman came out you know and you could just, your alter ego exactly yeah. so you start to rely on that person and then you build this like person around alcohol and then it's hard to like step away from it because now you're comfortable being who you are when you're drinking it's hard to exist as your person sober because where you're most comfortable is like the person you are when you're consuming alcohol right yeah. but for me you know for a number of years I had a lot of fun, like yeah, alcohol with, you know, like it was fun for a while. And I have a lot of great memories associated with, you know, keg parties and, you know, like the dumb yeah. teenage stuff that we do. And, you know, like there, there was a level of like camaraderie and like jovial, like, you know, spiritedness. It's very, very social. It brings people together. Very social. Like, it does. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, like in my previous attempts at sobriety, I thought if I got sober, what am I going to have to connect with people on? Like yep. alcohol is so ingrained into everything I know in terms of like socializing and connecting with people and, you know, recreational, you know, activities. Like, what am I going to do? And I think that was also kind of where I hadn't found enough hard lessons yet yeah. for me to be like, like, I, like, I can't touch the stuff. It's like, yeah. you know, so I, I played in that circle for a long time of, okay. you know, like, yeah, like drank, oh God, things are kind of getting bad. Okay. I'm going to stop for a while, dust them off, you know, everything, everything's yeah. fine. Everything's fine. Like, okay, we'll <laughs> go back and do it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. usually, it's so, such perfect timing though for you to come on because like my new year's resolution is like I just I don't even want to touch the stuff anymore like I really don't because yeah it's like you were just saying like a minute ago what what does it do what does it's like the social thing that you, you just do to do it and then you wake up and you're like I didn't even need that I didn't even need it yeah like seriously if you're considering like just trying like I think dry January or you know like you're yeah. contemplating like I wonder what life would be like as a sober person I think these people are called sober curious uh -huh. like make a list of all of the value alcohol brings to your life like all of the health benefits and you know like right. I guarantee you that like I don't know of anything that would fall on that side of the list but then you make a list of all of like the the cons if you will of pros cons yeah Jesus, yeah. my comms. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah, so you, so you kind of played around then. So you had like this fun, like alcohol was just kind of like this, you drank, you were social. And then when did it turn into like, uh-oh, this is a problem and I need to start to deal with this. 
Yeah. Yeah. So for me, alcohol kind of became more of that coping mechanism and escape, like more escaping um, during my marriage. Um, there was some infidelity and um, I really felt rejected, abandoned. I had an anger in me that I didn't know like how to, how to appropriately manage or feel. Yeah. And the easiest thing for me to do when I came home after work was to drink a bottle of wine and somehow just, you know, go through the motions of life, you know, like a, and that's like escape, like escape and an escape and escape yeah. from the reality of my life. You know, yeah. I didn't like what my life felt like. And so, so long as I showed up for work, paid my bills, did my, you know, did the stuff that I was required to do. I could have my wine at the end of the day. And that was really like what I lived for. Everything yeah. else was just like going through the motions, like not yeah. connected, not feeling, not happy. It was really living for that end of the day wine, right? Yeah. And I, live, I lived in that state for a long time. My former husband and I ended up divorcing. And after that, you know, um, my drinking really kind of took on and, um, a life of its own. When my kids were with, you know, him during his parenting time, my life became, you know, going back to the, the last like person I knew me to be. Right. So yeah. I, re I reverted back to kind of like this 20 year old party girl on the, in the weekends, <laughs> on the times I didn't have my kids, I'm like a, I'm a 30 year old so mom of three. <laughs> like, I, I like went through this like two years ago. Yes, <laughs> I'm telling you, like I went through that divorce and I, I was like, I have no clue who I am. I don't know who I am outside of like being a mom outside of. So no. I reverted back to the last version I knew myself to be as an individual. And that was this like, wild 20 something year old that had like you know a crazy drinking habit <laughs> and yeah. I mean we can kind of laugh about it but you know when it when we look like if we look at it like through the lens of um of like health and mental health and you know through the lens of um, substance use disorder that's when it really became evident that like my drinking wasn't just um, circumstantial, like it was, it was, um, and it, it, the craving is what I'll yeah. say. Like I craved it. I obsessed about it. Like it just was like, Your you know, body became I, like almost dependent on alcohol too. It became yeah. my mind, my body, you know, like I just, I didn't like, again, the reality of my life. I didn't like the fact that I was this divorcee mom yeah. of three and I had no clue what to do in my professional career you know I just was floundering and um even leading up to going into treatment in 2017 you know I I used alcohol to escape from just my life during like those years that followed and yeah. it always got worse even when I would take a break for six months you know three months every time I went back my drinking picked up right where I would have left off, but then it always got worse. Yeah. So like, did it turn? So you were like waiting to drink at night. Did it turn into where you woke up? You were drinking, like, was it like an all day, like drink, drink, drink to escape all the time? If I didn't have my kids those weekends, it was start drinking at like 10 a.m., and it would just continue through the day and well into the night. And it was like an all weekend. What, did you, what did you feel like? So you do that all day. And then when you'd wake up in the morning, oh would you, so you'd have to drink and just keep it going, right? You'd have, you know, like you'd wake up, I'd wake up in the morning, you know, or I'd come to, it wasn't really waking up. <laughs> like, yeah, <right? laughs> and, um, oh yeah. And it was, oh my God, like, I feel like crap. Oh my God. What did I do last night? I don't want to deal with any of it. I'm just going to drink. And that's like, how, and that's how that happens though, because it's like, you don't deal with your emotions and then you do stuff that you're not proud of. And then instead of dealing with it, you're like, let's drink some more. Let's drink more. Then you create right. like, then the problem, it's like the problem it just, just keeps compounds. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger yes. until it's just like, 
huge mess that now you're like, instead of dealing with this one night, now I have to deal with like years of just continually doing this to myself. It's like you just keep sweeping the stuff under the rug and pretty soon there's going to be like no more room and then it's going to start filtering out into other areas of your life and then it just becomes like this mega mess that you have no clue how to deal with and you probably you know for me I didn't have the emotional tools the mental fortitude or really even the support to to know how to deal with a lot of the reasons why I was drinking the way I was you know there's a lot of trauma in my past Um, both sexual and physical abuse, you know, Uh and when I look at, you know, what were my motives for drinking? Like, at the time, I would say, like, I'm just stressed out, you know, like, I just, you know, life is too hard. No, it's at the core of that was those traumas that I just did not want to admit had happened and really didn't want to like go and um, address in a healthy way because I just didn't know how to. So, yeah. you know, that was running and like the subconscious, you know, hardwiring of my mind. And, you know, I find I faced those fears this year. Like Thank I've you. been sober. Yeah. I've been sober almost four and a half years. And it took me up until 2021 of being four years sober to say, like, I can't like hide from these big things anymore because yeah. they came like screaming to the surface this year. Well, that's, and I had to face them and I that's did. The, yeah. That's the hard part too, is like, you don't realize, like, if you don't work through stuff that it, it is there, like, and I think Definitely. people, cause I used to think this about myself, like I'm smart enough. Like, I know this happened to me. I can acknowledge. And like, as, if I think about it, I know that it happened and I see other people talk about it. And like, I can work through my pain by listening them, like to them work through their pain type thing. And then yeah. I didn't realize because I did an episode about it was called EMDR. Did you ever do yeah. some of that? Very familiar with EMDR. Yeah. So because I would go, I have like sexual trauma or abuse, but everybody's got like their own traumas they deal with. Absolutely. And so it's so nice because you kind of go back and like you visit yourself almost like the Christmas carol as a child. And you let right. yourself know, like, hey, like these are your circumstances. It's not working out like the way it's ideal but this doesn't make you any more or less like entitled to blessings in life just like so and so and so and so and so and so and until you acknowledge it and work through it like you you just don't you don't get it you don't get it in a way that makes sense 100 agree with that you know um i think there was there's just a fear in facing it. Right. But what yeah. I know to be true is this, it's fear is a nasty little liar, right? Yep. It, fear is a nasty little liar and it prevents good people from doing great things. Yep. And so for me, like the big fear I faced this year was, you know, I've got to acknowledge one that these happened and two, I've got to work through this for myself. And then three, I've got to get to a place of forgiveness, even when an apology isn't going to be extended. Yeah. And that's what I found, you know, and the cool, cool thing through all of this was, you know, I worked the program of AA and that's what works for me. It, you know, and I know that there's a lot of different solutions out there, yeah. you know, that, that, and AA is not the only thing that, you know, is available. It's, it's just what happens to work for me. And I yeah. resonate really well with that program. Did you try, and, did you try different programs or did you just? Hell yeah. I tried everything yeah, before did. I was like, all right, I'll go sit in a room of AA and <laughs> I will be willing to be in this chair and yeah. the coffee's awful and the light's horrible. And, you know, now I'm like, oh my God, I love the smell of those like musky rooms. And do like, you know, the- <laughs> I miss, do you know what I miss? Like my favorite is honestly, like almost my favorite two years was when I had to go to those classes for my DUI because I got to like speak on like a real level. I was hearing real people, like real problems. And I was like, this is like real life. We're talking about real life. This is amazing. Heck yeah. That, that is what a meeting of AA is. You know, I think so often people kind of think of AA as like, oh my God, it's, you know, a room of drunks and they're all commiserating and la 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 la. And it's like, no, like we get in there and we share on a gut level, like what's going on in our life with a group of people that are there to sit and listen 
and maybe something I'm speaking about will resonate with someone else. And that'll be enough for them to, to say like, you know what, like I want different for myself. And I really related to what she said. And I kind of want yeah. what she has because she looks like she's feeling pretty good in her life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's so much healing power in a group setting. And that's not to diminish anything that happens in individual, you know, therapy or, you know, anything like that. But I think there's a different layer of healing and um, connection when you speak, you know, with others in a setting and you're all there for a common purpose. Right. So I relate to those like stories of, you know, you liked going to the group therapy for your alcohol classes because you guys were talking about real things and you were all there because you had something in common and, you know yeah. well it's it's almost because you all have problems and you're everybody feels like if I share my problems like I'm different because everybody's putting out like this image of they don't have problems and so to get in a group and realize 100% of us in here have problems it's just right. it's so freeing and that's could you imagine what if they had like a AA Facebook that's it like Facebook was like AA and we all got on there and we just talked about like real life helpful issues oh my god can you imagine <laughs> it's so awesome that might, that might be a little bit hard but you could bounce between like the perfect and then like the all right let's go back to the real life stuff all right let's go back to the unfiltered like regular mess over here yeah, yeah for right? sure <laughs> but I uh so I'm trying to think because like I wanted to bring you on about this just because I do want it to be like super helpful like people that like for me I honestly I'm inspired by you like I really am oh thank you I have been drinking and I give it up for like three or four months but then I'll drink for like two or three months and then I'm like why am I doing this again and so I'm really curious about so you go to the AA um like, what else do you do? Like, how do you stay focused? How do you like keep yourself from just like going and getting that drink? And like, yeah, what I know they have steps and like the AA yeah. stuff is super helpful, but yeah. Yeah. There's 12 steps. <laughs> yeah. 12 steps. There you go. There's 12 steps and you work them in order for a reason because one builds on the other. Um, but really this is like the crux of it. Right. So the, the pillars of AA are the fellowship um, the service work that we do. So a huge part of my recovery is, um, you know, giving back what was freely given to me, you know, and then, um, and then having, um, a reliance on a higher power, something that's like bigger than me so that I am not letting myself will kind of run the show. Right. So I don't crave alcohol or drugs anymore. I very rarely think of them, you know, and if I, they ever cross my mind, it's like a, oh, oh, that's gone. Okay. How like, long did it take? Like, so once you started AA and you got off of yeah. everything, like how yep. long were you having those cravings? And like, yeah, how yeah. long is the battle until you're like, oh my gosh, I don't like crave this. Yeah. That's such a great question. Um, I know when I came out of treatment um, for um, alcohol dependency, the first thing I wanted to to do the day I got out was go and have a drink. And I was shocked at the fact that I had just done like 23 (laughs) days at an inpatient rehab and I get out and I'm like, Oh my God, the only thing I want to do right now is have a drink. And so I was like, everyone said that's what would happen. And they said to go to the, you know, the meeting that was happening next. And so that's what I did. And I kept going back and I kept taking the suggestions from the people that said, get a sponsor. So a sponsor is someone. So for me, I work with a woman, a man would work with a man. This is someone that has longer term sobriety. They have worked the 12 steps of the AA program themselves, and they agree to help navigate you through your 12 step program. Right. So, yep. So go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, um, share in the meetings. Don't just sit there and like, think that you're going to catch sobriety through osmosis. Yeah. And start doing service work. So for me, Tyler, the first service position I held was I was a door greeter. I was a door <laughs> greeter. So I would open the doors, people would come in. Hi, welcome. I'm Lindsay. Yeah, like and like that somebody's was like, gotta do it, right? Someone and it, you know what it forced me to do is it forced me to say hi to strangers and it forced me to connect with people like before the meeting and for me to get to know 
the people that were in the meeting. So it forced me to connect to the fellowship, even though I kind of was like, I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) It's it's also, I was just thinking about this. Like, it's also probably a way for you to start connecting with people like on a bigger level without alcohol and show that you could like connect. And like, you have these great relationships that you're forming and you're you're as the greeter you're forced to talk to people like you have to talk you're forced to, people. to talk you have to you have to yeah. say hi to the people so, so i want to get back to your initial question which yeah. was um when did i um stop having my craving for alcohol and when did i stop obsessing about drinking so um you know that took some time but i can tell you this it was sometime around the 90 day period when um i was driving to a meeting and I realized that for probably a few days prior, like I hadn't thought about alcohol or drinking. And I was like, oh my God. Like I feel this, ever. like I felt this like weight lifted off of me. And I was like, I haven't been thinking about drinking or obsessing about alcohol for like a few days now. That must have been amazing. Oh my God. It was it was one of the best feelings I have ever felt I felt just this sense of of freedom of like oh I can do this like I know I'm doing it yeah but man I know like I can do this like I felt like a wave of energy and and I don't and I don't ever want to lose this like I want to do whatever I can (laughs) what was your health like your health probably was a lot better at that point too like could you notice like your look and your mental um, sharpness is, you know, slowly starting to return. They say it takes about a year and a half, though, for your brain's chemistry to normalize after any substantial um, substance abuse. So what had happened was my thinking was a little more clear, right? I wasn't um, in a constant state of like fight or flight. I was kind of just like, okay, I was connected in my day. Um, physically I was sleeping really well. Um, I was eating like a normal, healthy, um, person should be not overeating, not under eating. And I was making healthy food choices for myself and I was drinking a lot of water and, you know, in previous times, I felt good. And you know what though, the thing is previously, like I would have similar physical experiences, like mentally I'd start feeling better emotionally. I wouldn't be so hard on myself. And, you know, like I'd start to feel like, okay, again. Yeah. And it was right around those times that I would be like, okay, now I can go drink. Cause like, I feel better. Yeah. Everything's better. What, and now that, I can go drink. Exactly. You that, think I'm responsible now. Now I have it under control and now yeah. I can go drink and it's going to be and like feel, totally good. And I, and I've smoothed things over and I don't think anyone's upset with me anymore. And that's why I wouldn't want to tell anyone I was having issues with alcohol because I always knew like I'd start yeah. to feel better again. And then I'd want to, you know, like I eventually want to go socially drink. Yep. But when I committed to recovery, because I knew like if I ever drink again, I will likely end up dead. <clears throat> when what I that, found, when I, what is when, that thought? when I had, what is that? How did that feel to feel that way? It was the most freeing and heaviest feeling in the world of like, I have such a respect for my disease that I never want to mess with it. Like, I don't need to talk to it. Like yeah. I respect it enough that I don't need to go and invite it out for play. Like, I don't want any part of it. Do you, like, I'm even like, and the fact that you call it a disease like that, it's probably that's really hard for people to acknowledge. I would imagine like, that's really hard to say, like, I have a disease that you are bringing upon yourself voluntarily. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Right. Because they say the disease of alcoholism, um, you know, is genetic and sometimes it's brought about by like, you know, our environment. So there's two schools of thought. I actually think I got hit with a double whammy. I had trauma, unaddressed trauma, and I also have a history of addiction in my family. So the two of those got together and voila, you know, you've got Lindsay, this raging alcoholic that is just, you know, Boulder County is much safer now that I'm sober. (laughs) So you're all welcome. (laughs) Boulder County. I feel so bad for Boulder, by the way. Shout out to those guys. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, feel bad for what they're going through. A lot of 
a lot of hurting people right now. So um, yeah, I think anyone doing whatever they can, any little bit helps. So yeah. um, man, yeah. for jump sure. On, jump on, donate to that cause. They got, they got a bunch of different websites and then they have drop-offs and people delivering there all the time. So they um, do coloradoshares.org is a fantastic, um, you know, place to go check out if you're looking to donate any sort of resources or funds to support the families and those that were impacted by the fires there you go perfect yeah so um anyways so yeah I think when I realized that my disease could and would kill me if I ever like chose to engage with it again it would became like this like I respect you and I don't want any part of you yeah. and I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm going to do whatever I can to ensure that I don't come back over here again. So You're almost like thinking about, cause, cause I have a, sorry, I interrupt you. I have good. so many thoughts, but I love it. Let him go. Yeah. So my son, he had leukemia when he was six and it's like, so it's a disease, like it's a, it's a disease that comes into your body and it kind of consumes you until you fight it off. And it's, it's very similar concept to alcoholism. And it's like, it's just a mental, like you just have to somehow get mentally tough enough to fight that disease off, just as if you were fighting off leukemia. hundred percent. Yeah. The thing is with alcoholism or any, like with the disease of addiction is it's something that you're not supposed to go through alone. So for me, I know when I was active in my addiction, I was very isolated and shut off yeah. and the opposite of like addiction is connection. So that's why the group meetings and the fellowship okay. of whatever you choose to is such an important part of like a, re a recovery program. Do they, you have know? Those, they have those everywhere, right? Like anywhere you live, everywhere, right? Everywhere. And listen, if you're ever in an airport and you're like, you're sober, but you know, for me, I love drinking at the airport. I loved getting a good buzz on before a flight and then <laughs> continuing it on the way to my destination. <sighs> Right. You know, like airports and flying were like my like favorite times to drink. And now they're not. And now I like can safely yeah. travel. But if you're ever in a situation where you're traveling and you're sober and you don't know what to do, if you go to any of the airport um, attendees and ask them to page a friend of Bill's, a someone that's in Bill's? a friend of Bill's, and I've been in the airport and I have responded to these pages. Hmm. Um, they will say, well, a friend of Bill, please go here and meet, Whatever. you know, someone dressed in, you know, uh, a teal baseball cap and a striped sweater at gate B. Okay. I have been in Denver International Airport and I have heard this page come over the loudspeaker and I have went and I have connected with um, a woman and some, another fellow um, alcoholic also answered the page and we went in the middle of concourse A and we held this woman who was in tears and terrified that she was going to drink waiting for her flight. And we had our own little meeting, our own little connection that's, right there. That's so amazing. That's yeah. so awesome. So the fellowship of AA, the fellowship of like people in recovery is alive and well. And all you ever have to do is reach out for help. And there will always be a hand to help grab yours and answer you. That's really cool. I didn't like, do they have that? like different everywhere place, everywhere so everywhere you're there's on a cruise help. ship there's always you just go ask for a friend of bill w's one of us will appear hmm that is so cool you guys are like this little secret colony of bugs <laughs> <laughs> i know that's just something they're like oh my god you guys have like this like secret society of like you can just page like this random code and one of you appears like yeah. or multiples of you appear like yeah yeah so we do cool. like and it's like you meet with these people and you're not strangers even though you you know like you've yeah. never met this person you're like no I know you you know me like like well, man, let's... yeah is this because I would move around like because I grew up Mormon so like the Mormon church right. is similar like you'd always if you move somewhere you could get into like a new ward and then like automatically you got oh. each other because like you don't drink you don't you don't drink coffee you don't like you just have like your mm. set of rules. And so you're part of like a little, like it's a culture, you know what I mean? It so is it's, a culture. It's, nice. it's, it's absolutely supportive. Yeah. A hundred percent. That coffee part. I, I don't know. Like that, <laughs> they, no. all, they all drink diet Coke, which is so crazy. Cause Whatever. 
it's a bean a bean versus <laughs> like carbonated syrupy yeah. i know like a I bean that comes from the earth <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't make sense to me either <laughs> Whatever they can uh, do them. Can I'm gonna stay in my lane with coffee. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it is nice though to have like to know you have a support system wherever you go and people are like willing because they that's the coolest part is like they know how difficult it was for them or how difficult it still is for them and then it's just it's a reminder like hey guess what you're not in this alone like so am I and so is this person and so is, and then for the listeners like think about this like. If you're on a cruise ship, you're on a cruise ship and like there's a guaranteed going to be somebody on there that's a friend of Bill's like that's that's amazing. Like so just how not alone you are, maybe you feel that way because of you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So beautifully put, by the way, Um, it's an incredible, an incredible group and fellowship to be a part of. Um, So, you know, that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, that's why, that's why it works. Right. Because I, at the end of my drinking was very isolated and alone because I was so ashamed of like just the nature of my life and didn't really feel like I belonged out there with the other people. But, you know, I knew like, I, I just shut myself off and, and now, I mean, now I can connect with what we call the normies, like the people that are like normal dream. You don't need a program, whatever. Yeah, like every, yeah. it's always joked around that like even normal people that don't have alcoholism or addiction could use a 12 step program I, in their life. I honestly, like, I kind of think I'm going to look it up because I, I'm even this bill thing. I want to text bill sometimes when I'm like, because I don't, sometimes I just drink out of like just pure, just, boredom I'm bored yeah peer pressure or whatever and it's usually not a problem but it's just it's like I don't want to do it and then I just do it I'm like why did I just do that why did I do that that's like that's like the the hand touching the hot stove you know every time you touch it you get burned but I gotta touch it what oh it burned like (laughs) exactly do you remember what happened the last time it burned your hand and yet you touched it again um yeah yeah so um Anyways, I was saying, like, I think there's, you know, anyone could benefit from a 12 step yeah. program because what it allows you to do is connect, you know, and I know not everyone is a fan of God or like a higher power, but really like you can make your higher power or, or not to be yeah. whatever it is. Right. Um, however, it forces you to take like your own inventory of like, here's like all of kind of the resentments I have and some of the things that have you know transpired and it makes me look at like what was my part in it and then like what were my faults and then it allows me an opportunity to make right my wrongs and to then like continue forward on carrying this message of like hope and healing to the next person that is you know suffering or hurting and so I've used the 12 step program for getting over past relationships. Like I'm powerless over this person and my life is becoming unmanageable because I am trying to like, you know, have power where I don't have power. I'm powerless over this ending. I don't know what's going to happen. And my life is becoming unmanageable. And then it allows me to then look at like, what was my part in the relationship? What was my part in the breakup? Like where were like, what were my um, shortcomings? And like what can maybe not necessarily like what can I do to to get back the relationship but just holding yourself accountable for your part for my part in it and then with that understanding and knowledge like okay well what can I learn so that I don't repeat these past mistakes into the next relationship or into the next thing that I'm going to be going into so I it works I use it every everything people use it to quit smoking powerless over nicotine and power, you know, whatever you are. And here's the thing. We're all powerless over other people, places, and situations. I will never have power over you, Tyler. I will never have power over a situation that is outside of myself. I will never have power over, you know, um, how another person's outcome is going to be. The only thing I have power of is how I respond and how I show up and the choices that I make. Yeah, that's very well put. I like that. 
That's very, yeah. very, it's very true though. Like you on it, I, cause how you were talking about a higher power and like, what do you believe? And it really doesn't like, it doesn't matter if it's like our God here, like Eastern God, it really doesn't matter. It's cause I use like meditation prayer, but it's the same thing just to keep like, it's to keep myself accountable, speak things out. And I like to do prayers. Like I like to speak out loud. Like I like to say things out loud because then it's like, I'll say things that like, I'm not really like super happy about that I'm trying to work on to get better at, but like, just to hear yourself, acknowledge it. You're like, okay, like it's real. It's real. It's real. And you know what that also does is it kind of takes the power away from it and it forces you to give it to something outside of yourself. Like, okay. I like it. It's diffusing the power, but it's also making me realize like, I don't have any power over it. Just like, it doesn't have any power over me. And I have to tell you, that was like one of the, my favorite lessons from 2021, because I've been taught through this whole journey in my recovery is I am powerless over other people, places, and situations. And then I realized this year, those other people, places, and situations are also powerless over me. The only time they have power is when I give it to them. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Do you believe in the concept of like, heal yourself, heal the world type? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I can't do any good for the world until I'm doing like good for me. Like until I'm like, you know, healthy and able, like I can't show up and do my part in the world. So now that you're four, four and a half years sober, you said? Four and a half years sober um, at the end of February. Okay. <clears throat> yep. So and are you yeah. very, like, are you careful now with who you, like, do you keep yourself around very positive people? Do you, will you disconnect from people if it's a bad feeling type thing? Or can you just be oh, around forever now? Or You know, the thing about being... <laughs> being a healthy whole person. I mean, I'm not perfect by any means, but yeah. my like BSO monitor is so like acute and finely tuned. I just, I don't have time for outside like drama. I don't have time for toxicity and yeah. negativity and life's too short to be, you know, spent like ruminating. Yep. I just, I don't sit if I'm around those people, it is very short lived because it's quickly realized. And then, you know, like it, it just naturally like two magnets, like repelling each other. You just yeah. like, yeah. Are, we are not a vibrational match. Goodbye. Yeah. You know, you, you just feel the energies, like you feel energies probably, especially when oh, you're yeah. around, well, when you're around these people you're connecting with on this real level, like it's really probably all you want is to feel like real, real interaction, real connection, like really genuine people really that is so true like you you can tell you can tell the difference between you know authenticity and um you know people being genuine versus surface level people pleasers you know and god bless them too because they need help and they're probably hurting or you know like their actions are not coming from a healthy you know mind or heart and they're hurting so I think my biggest area of opportunity is looking at those that, you know, maybe have wronged me or have hurt me. And rather than like lashing out or trying to like be right in the situation, more so acknowledging, like, I know you're hurting and, and that makes me, I'm sad for you. And I'm not going to engage in this, but like, I hurt for you as a human because I can tell you're hurting too. Yeah. So I'm trying that like that, that one's yeah. like a new, that's like next level living. And I dabble in it. Like I oscillate like between like, <laughs> like, you know, like F you like, no, uh-huh. yeah. like even today I had some stuff going on with an individual and I groveled <laughs> and I, I engaged and then I stepped back and I was like, it's always work. Like, like it's like, always going to be work. And there's always going to be, it's like you said, like you're responsible for yourself, but like there's going to be a million things every day that give you the opportunity to react either like in a positive way or a negative way. And for you to be perfectly reacting to everything, always like the best that you should, it's impossible. It's impossible. I always share, um, you know, as of late that like my humanness is alive and well, 
like, you know, I, I'm a human and I'm having a very real human experience and because I'm sober and I am awake and aware to everything that is going on, I feel it, you know, I feel it very profoundly and deeply. And yeah. sometimes like that human that like, sometimes that is the part of me that is what's like loud and like yeah. at the it, center, not, not like my high self. That's like, you know, oh. namaste and I pray for you and bless, yeah. you know, like, no, like, <laughs> well, here's, yeah. Here's a question for you. Do you feel like when you were really heavily drinking, did you like, did you lose a sense of your humanness? Like, were you just, I mean, it's almost like it sucks your soul away from you. Like, yeah, no, I think it makes me more human because it disconnects me from my soul and it disconnects me from like anything outside of me. Right. Like, so I'm stuck in my human mind of, of ego and of like, you know, the self-centered show. Like when I was an active alcoholic and it was all about me, my wants, my desires, my needs, like never mind yours or anybody else's, like how am I being taken care of? Because that's the only thing that matters, you know? So I would say as when I was drinking, I was so like stuck on self. And that's kind of what a program of recovery allows you to break free of as the bondage of like self-will and, you know, part of it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, okay. In my morning prayers, like I always include, you know, um, relieve me of the bondage of self so that I might better do thy will. You know, take yeah. away my difficulties, that victory over them might bear witness to those I could help. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's like as you do that every day. Every yeah, day. That, that's and, the important thing, too, that people like this stuff has to be like, you have to do like you have to repeat. Re- I have stuff in my phone that says, "Remember to remember every day. Remember to remember." And then I'm like, "Oh yeah, I need to remember to remember how grateful I am." And like, because yeah, you just get so stuck in these like poopy pants mindsets where you're just like, "Poor me, poor poor. And it's like, I'm sitting here on a podcast like with nice clothes on. Like I have a camera. Like. I'm super fortunate. And a lot of times, like you get so caught up in, in things that really don't make sense. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, <clears throat> I think, you know, little simple habits every day are what make like the bigger results happen. Right. And I think we all kind of know that, yeah. um, like what worked to keep me sober yesterday, I'm going to go ahead and repeat those things today. However, you know, like there's mornings where I'm like, I don't so much feel like connecting to you, God, because I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I want to ruminate in this a little longer. Like, I yeah. just need to stay in my own little pile of poo. And then, you know, those days are the days that are typically harder to like, you know, like they so, go harder. It's so funny, though, too, because like the concept of like, I'm mad at you, God, like the only person you're punishing is you, like you're basically essentially like Like, (laughs) you're God in that scenario, like you, God, but you're really pointing at yourself like you, I'm mad. (laughs) It's totally true, though. And I look at those days and I'm like, God, that day sucks. Well, why did it suck? Oh, probably because you didn't take time to connect with your higher power and you didn't, you know, you called your will back and you went and made some really horrible, maybe not really horrible. You may have flipped a few people off in the car and, you know, you don't know who else's day you could have ruined because you chose to show up like an (laughs) a-hole. Right, exactly. Well, I'm sure I kind of want to end this at an hour. I just feel like too much longer is like too long, but- The la- I just wanted to do like the last question was because I don't know if you were posting a lot prior, like when you were drinking and stuff, but like I've seen a transformation. Like it's so obvious that you're like a million times happier and like you've kind of shared this experience. And so that's why I wanted you to come on this podcast. I just want to know like how much better is your life? Like you got rid of alcohol. What is part of your life now that wasn't? And like how much happier are you? that war when I was like can you start over? it kind of cut out could you start over real quick sorry yeah my internet's super unstable 
Uh, you're back. So yeah, start over. Okay. I asked you the question. Sorry. Cut out. You're good. Yeah. Um, so is the question what? Oh my God. Like, can you just? Yes. Yeah, so like, how has your life gotten better? Like, how is oh your life God. better? What do you do now that you didn't before? Like, how much better totally. is life? Life is exponentially better. I couldn't even put like a, a price tag or a number on how much better it is. And here's why: there is no value on peace there's no price that you can put on like the the peace that i live in most of the time the the self-love that i have and i'm not talking about like self-centeredness the amount of respect and love i have for for myself you know is is probably one of the biggest blessings i have found you know i never thought i was worthy of love i never thought i was good enough i never thought i was strong enough or smart enough yeah. I am enough. I'm more than enough in my mind. And, and that's a, you know, something that, that is the biggest bit, gift I think for anyone is to find value in like who you are. What, what does, so to somebody that maybe like, let's just say somebody has been an alcoholic for so long, they don't even remember, like, they don't mm -hmm. even know who they are. Like, how do you paint a picture of like what that is? Like, what is that? How do you describe that feeling? Like, is there something you could compare it to while you were drinking? Like, it's the feeling of when you got so drunk that it was like you're. <laughs> it's the feeling of all of the chains that you feel shackled by and all of the weight that you're carrying on your shoulders being removed and feeling a wholeness and a peace that, you know, that moment when you drift, like the moments right before you're in and out of sleep. Like, yeah. yeah you're at your most calm and like your body's just relaxed. I would compare it to something like that. Like my life most of the time is effortless, you know, like I, I intuitively know to connect, like when I don't know the answer or the solution, one is always made. Yeah. Like I just, I don't struggle in my life anymore. I just don't. And if I do have problems arise, they're typically because I tried to, you know, I tried to call power back. Yeah. I tried to like control a situation or manipulate an outcome, or there was some injustice done to me and gosh, darn it. I need to go get vindicated. No, like, yeah. like, you know, those are the human moments, but most of the time being a woman in recovery and living a life that's free of alcohol and drugs, you know, it's a, it's gentle. My life is gentle today. Okay. Yeah, so that's something that everybody can relate to. There's got to be like a moment in life where it's like soft and gentle, like yeah. a pink cloud. Yeah, you know, if, you, if you've never experienced that, if your whole life is trauma and alcohol and drugs, like just know that like, let's just say you're waiting for the day that it's all over and you can't wait for it to all be over. Like your thoughts of probably what heaven would be is what it would feel like to like get to a peace to like find what peace feels like exactly i live in my own little piece of heaven here yeah and so most of the time <laughs> well that that's like what you were saying earlier too about fear fear is like what'd you say about fear fear is a nasty little liar and it keeps good people from doing great things exactly so you're getting like you're being scared and really like there's this there's this future waiting for you that's like you can't imagine it and the only person, unfortunately, like I wish I could come like help you. Lindsay probably wishes she could help you, but it's gotta be you. And so gotta be you. it's gotta be like one hour at a time, maybe at the beginning. Totally. Um, yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. Sometimes a moment at a time. I tell you what, everything is temporary. You know, the emotion you're feeling, the sadness you're feeling, the pain you're in, everything is temporary and you get to choose when it, when enough is enough. And, you know, you don't have to have a painful, violent, like hard bottom to, to say that alcohol doesn't serve a purpose in my life. And I don't really like the direction that my life is going in. And if I could change one thing, you know, maybe it's the alcohol and the drugs because they're not adding any value to, to what I'm feeling or doing. Yeah. Well, Honestly, like I feel super like inspired. I feel like you're just Aww. a really wonderful person. Like Thank honestly, you. I'm like getting, I'm almost like getting emotional because I could just tell, yeah, you're just a good person. I'm just happy Thank to like you. have you on and like I hope it helps somebody. But tell people like, so. so what's your social media? Where can they find more information about you? 
Sure. Instagram is at colorado.lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Um, Facebook is Lindsay Brady. And um, I do have a website for my photography, uh, recoveryrising.org. We provide no-cost photography services for the recovery communities of Denver and Boulder. Yeah, and she's like an amazing person. Check her out. Um, Garrett, like if people reach out to you, messenger, I guarantee you, you'll respond and 100%. help people out. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. Let's not yeah. let 20 years go by. <laughs> Let's just, we'll, we just wait. we'll wait 20 more and then we'll catch yeah. up. <laughs> so we get, we're supposed right. to have our, our reunion supposed to be coming up, but they keep postponing there, it because oh, of COVID. Is there a oh. pandemic or something going on? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. All right, Lindsay. It was all fun right. talking. Thanks, Tyler. Bye. Okay, see you. Bye.